Morning, church. A joy to stand before you this uh, morning and open God's word after a long time. And I cannot tell you how thankful I am uh, to all of you who has been very uh, supportive. Even this season that we've been going through, it's been a rough season, but the Lord is good. And I'm thankful for all that you have been uh, doing, praying for us, and uh, coming alongside us. And uh, one of the individuals that has been coming alongside my family and I is my sister and friend Nile, who is with us today. The visitor came, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for the care. Unless she's being embarrassed now, but uh, all the same, thank you so much for what you've done. So church, if you don't mind, stand with me to read the book of uh, Psalm 23. Today we'll do it different, we're all going to read at the same time. I was wondering, what am I going to be uh, preaching on? Are we going back to the book of Mark? And we're supposed to jump on fasting. <laughs> like we just come all the way from Maori just to jump on fasting. <laughs> so, I wouldn't think of a better book but to go to the book of Psalm. And I wouldn't think of a better Psalm than to go to Psalm 23. So, this is the Psalm of David. If you are there, please read it uh, with me uh, together. One, two, three, go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He misleads for his name's sake. He, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the good God bless the reading of the word. Amen. You may be seated. I mean, even reading this psalm, we can just call Pastor Manuel for a benediction, right? You wouldn't feel like you have wasted your day, would you? Psalm 23 is perhaps the most well-known psalm. It is a psalm of David as he reflects on the work of God in his life. It gives us a beautiful pattern and promise of God's work in the lives of uh, his uh, people. As one scholar actually puts it, says the psalm itself is green pasture. The psalm itself is still water. The psalm itself restores my soul. Psalm 23 is very personal. In fact, there are no references to we or us or they, but only my, me, I, and you. This is David's personal testimony. Can testimony be personal? This is double, double talk, yeah? But you know what I mean. This is a precious psalm, especially for a wounded soul in times of crisis. And this makes a constant friend. It speaks of green pastures and still waters. But you know what? It also speaks of dark valleys. It speaks of enemies. But what comforts us and helps us is the psalmist's confidence. David really believed this about God. You see that? 
He really believed this about God. So David is not some uh, poetic exaggeration or he's not, he's not a theoretical theologian. He has experienced, experienced this in real ways. And these words form solid convictions formed during times of crisis. So, brothers and sisters, in Psalm 23, if you know where you're going, you'll find two heartwarming pictures, two heartwarming pictures of God's care and provision for His children that will give you confidence in times of crisis. Two heartwarming pictures or illustrations, if you will, of God's care and provision for His children that will give you confidence in terms of crisis. Now, let's look at the first. It's the Father's care. This is the Father's care picture. This is verses uh, 1 to uh, 3. But in this first picture, there's actually a double blessing. There's a double blessing. Let's look at the first blessing. The first blessing, as you look at verse number 1, David is saying, The Lord is my shepherd. Then he says, I shall not want. You see there? There is uh, the first blessing. He says he shall not want. So the Lord is my shepherd. is like king. This is the king in this passage. I shall not want. It's not necessarily a servant. Maybe it's a priest. Because, because the Lord is the shepherd, David is saying, I shall not want. So let's put that as the first blessing. I shall not want. There's a second blessing, but that only comes uh, uh, later. Verse number 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will not fear. David says, I will not fear. That's the second blessing. But let's first look at the first blessing. I shall not want. I shall not lack. David has confidence in God. But where did that confidence come from? Well, he gives us four reasons, doesn't he? Look with me again, verse number 2. He tells us the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not lack. And part of him having this confidence, there's actually four specific reasons David says, I shall not lack. I shall not want. And first he tells us, it is because of God's feeding. You see that in verse 2? He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's a reference to God's feeding. David says, I will not lack. I will not want. David, why? You may ask. He says, the Lord. Notice now the pronoun, my. He's not just saying, the Lord is shepherd. He says, he is my shepherd. And because of that, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David is as if, it is as if he's saying, whatever he's saying, but ground is about the ball. As for me, my eyes are not for ground. But my eyes are my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I hope you see that. You know, children grow up and hopefully they become less dependent on their parents. Sheep though, the real sheep. Sheep is always completely dependent on their shepherd. In fact, sheep is one of those most D- dumb. Is it okay to say dumb? 
those dumbest uh, animals. They can see green pasture. Sheep won't go there. They need somebody to actually take them there. That's just how dumb they are. They never outgrow their need for the shepherd to provide for them. David said, I shall not lack. I shall not want. There were no wants in David's life. Do you know why? He's saying my needs have been met. God's people shall lack nothing because of their father's care. For David, this was an expression of contentment in his shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. It does not mean David didn't have any needs. But he's expressing contentment in his shepherd. To those who are God's sheep, God has already made and will continue to meet all your needs in Christ. In fact, this is how Paul opens the letter of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 3. Here's how he puts it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. When David is saying, the Lord, my shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures, I want to believe primarily he's talking about spiritual blessings. Although not limited to spiritual blessings. These are the green pastures he's talking about. David had no ones because he was content in the Lord who was providing for his needs. In fact, the word is the Lord here. You see it's in the capital letter. That is Yahweh. The personal name. The self-existing one. David continues to carry this shepherdship uh, picture. And he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Both are essential in green pastures for the success and survival of the flock. But what does this mean spiritually? The spiritual nutriment we need as God's people comes from the word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus responded by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 and it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as sheep need grass that provides for the physical nutrients to sustain their life, God's spiritual flock, that is you and I, we need spiritual food that only comes from the word of God. Listen to the prophet Ezekiel, if you can get the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel describes the coming role of the Messiah. This was actually fulfilled in our Savior, the Shepherd, Jesus Christ. This is how the prophet actually talks about uh, the role Jesus will fulfill. Ezekiel 34, 14-15 says, I will feed them with good pasture. Not might. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. 
brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ fulfills this role. If you go to John chapter 10, verse 9, this is what Jesus Christ uh, uh, says. If you can turn there with me, John chapter number 10. If you have time, you can read the whole chapter. It is talking about this good shepherd. Vesta says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find what? Pasture. Because Jesus Christ is not a literal uh, door, but Jesus Christ is the means to the Father. The means are to eternal life. And say, those that come to him will find what? Pasture. Green pasture. For this, David is so confident. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Are you seeking the provision that the shepherd gives? The food for your soul is the word of God. What if you get to sections that don't taste so nice? Keep eating it up. Your mom and dad were right. The stuff that's hard to get down is often the most nourishing. Wrestle with the text. Work through it and grow in your spiritual life. Here's how Peter puts it. Crave, long for the spiritual milk. That is the word of God. So that by it you may grow in your salvation. Clean pastures. David says no like because God is his shepherd. And this is somebody, as a young man, he was a shepherd, a little shepherd. He knows all about green pastures. In fact, if you go to uh, Israel, it looks like a desert, desert. And then as you look at the stones, there's just uh, rocks. As you walk in the rocks, you may find that actually there's like Timauzu. Those are just uh, what actually is a green pasture. So a shepherd has to go through even the rocks to find those green pastures. The shepherd knows where to find those green pastures. But more than, more than just a physical pasture, the Word of God is our real pasture. David is saying, because of that, I shall have no luck. I shall not want. But he continues, the blessing of no luck. But he continues the reason, not only just God's feeding, which is both spiritual and physical, but also God's leading. Look with me again, verse 2. He says, he leads me beside still waters. God feeds and God leads. Humans need a leader. We need direction and purpose in life. Yet the irony is that uh, most of us we are convinced that we are sorted. I'm my own man, right? I'm my own woman. In fact, most teenagers believe that they can, they can lead their own life pretty fine without mom and dad. Many Christians' attitude is, I don't, need, I don't need anyone in my business. The Israelites proved over and over this point, as God led them from the bondage of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. And once the people enter the promised land, God raised up judges to rescue them from their enemies and to leave the nation. Finally, the people demanded a king because they knew they needed a leader and they failed to acknowledge that God is the one that leads them. That God is their king. David is describing here that God is his shepherd. He leads him 
to steal waters. Because of that, he says, I shall not lack. I shall not want. The steal waters leads to refreshing. I think it's Acts chapter 3. It's the times of refreshing. Still water refreshes. Well, as mentioned earlier, sheep is the dumbest animal. But guess what? How we are described. We are described as sheep. What does that make you and I? Don't say it. We need somebody to lead us to the still waters. This is one of the kindest things God does is bring us together the local assembly, where we can give each other protection. Number three, God's reviving. He says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God revives me. Because my Father leads me, that actually results in my soul being revived. This again is a tremendous spiritual lesson. Our soul needs restoration. But it only starts when we come to know the shepherd or the people, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. For God provides forgiveness. He provides real joy. He provides real peace through His Son, Jesus Christ, who calls Himself, I am the great shepherd. Those that come before me, these were just thieves. I am the shepherd. Have you received this cleansing? This refreshing? Guess what? This results in us following him down to paths of righteousness. Which is God's guidance. God first has to declare you righteous before he can call you to walk in paths of righteousness. Again, look verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You see that? For his name's sake. God's call for you and I is actually, it's called us uh, not to impurity, but to purity, to holiness. That's how 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 puts it. Striving to live a holy life as a Christian matters greatly to God. And all this, the feeding the leading, the reviving, the guiding for one purpose, one purpose alone. Look at how verse 3 ends. For his name's sake. Do you see that? The reason God feeds, leads, revives, guides his sheep is for his name's sake. So that he gets the glory. All he does, God is the most God-centered person in this universe. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's all about him. He gets all the glory. That's the first blessing. Let's move to the second blessing. The first blessing says, no luck. Second blessing, no fear. We are still on point one. The Father's care picture. Second blessing, no fear. Look with me, verse number four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you see that? David is a man who was hunted by friends and enemies alike. If there was a man who could justify his fear, was David. Saul wanted to kill him. His own son wanted to uh, dethrone him. But he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Because of that, I will not fear. You know, again, I think I mentioned in the earlier uh, service, 
One of the paralyzing weapons the enemy uses in our lives is fear. We fear a lot. Sometimes you ask somebody, so why didn't you ask him? I was afraid. Okay. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Fear is a snare. We fear fear. But David, none of us in this room will ever face what David faced. I think it's fair to exaggerate like that. Because it's true. If it's true, it's not exaggeration. But he said, I have no fear. Do you have any fear in this room as you're talking? Do you have any fear? You do? David said, the Lord, Yahweh, the self-existing one, he is my shepherd, therefore I shall not fear. And he gives us two reasons why he shall not fear. The first one is presence. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why David? What does he say? For you are with me. Do you see that? That's presence. David says elsewhere, Psalm 34, 18, The nearness of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and serves the Christ in spirit. Philippians 4, 5, we are told in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I'll say, rejoice. And he gives us the reason. He says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. So David is saying, I shall not fear because the good shepherd is with me. Brothers and sisters, now I want you to see something that may not be obvious. Before we go to verse 4, we have verses 1 and 3, right? And then David is seemed to be, you know, basking the fact like, you know, background is bow, background is bow. He says, he leads me in green pastures. Right? He leads me beside still waters. Looks like a background by bow, right? But it comes to verse 4. It begins with, even though. Do you see that? It doesn't fit, does it? Seems like it doesn't fit. But here's the point. The God who leads you to green pastures is the same God who leads you to black pastures. Or the valleys if you like. Most of us here will condemn the so-called prosperity gospel. But in reality, that's how we function. This is why we can hardly say a man, a man to verses 1 to 3. But verse 4 even is so. Do you see that? The valley of the shadow of death provokes thoughts of dangerous situations. This is the moment of crisis. But now, why would a good shepherd lead his sheep to such a place? We are not told here that uh, it's because the sheep has strayed off in sin. That's not the point here. You know why that's not the point? Because the psalm is picturing the shepherd leading the sheep to the valley. Who is leading here? Is the shepherd. So, the reason the sheep 
may go to the valleys, to the crises, is because the shepherd is leading them there. The connection between verses 3 and 4 confirm this. The path through the valley is also one of the paths of righteousness in which God leads. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Many times our thinking is, if God is with me, if he's leading me, he has to lead me to green pastures, wire, wire, all the way. No, we are told here that part of going through the paths of righteousness is to go through the valleys. David says, He guides me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Why again is a good shepherd leading the sheep to these places? Where they may be filled with danger and threats. There's only one possible answer. The shepherd knows how to get to the better place. In fact, one man commented on this psalm and here's what he said. The shepherd knows from past experience that predators like coyotes, bears, wolves or cougars can take cover in these broken cliffs and from their vantage point prey on his flock. He knows these valleys can be subject to sudden storms and flash floods that send walls of water rampaging down the slopes. There could be rock slides, mad, etc. A dozen other disasters that would destroy or injure a ship. But, in spite of such hazards, he also knows that this is still the best way to take his flock to the higher country. He spares himself no pains or trouble or time to keep an eye out for any danger that might develop. When you are walking through some unfamiliar valley, that doesn't make sense. When you have relational strife, when finances are tight, when companies are downsizing, when your hopes and dreams are dashed, the shepherd wants you to remember this. He has appointed even this hard time as one of his paths of righteousness. You don't get to choose which path of righteousness it will be. The shepherd does. He's leading you, leading me through the valley for reasons that probably won't be apparent. But rest be assured, he's taking to a high country where the sun is warm, where the grass is green. Every pathway with the shepherd is a pathway to something better. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, No good does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. The valley is not good, but the shepherd is. I want you to see something again. Notice verses 4 and 5. David shifts to the second person. He has been saying, he leads me, he guides me, he revives me. But in verse number 4 and 5, he shifts to the second person. He says, I'll fear no evil. And he doesn't say, he is with me. He says, you are with me. Do you see that? Why does David switch? From talking about God with he, to talking to God with you. And why does it happen in verse 4? 
clearly verse 4 but ground is very poor. Clearly. Because it says, even though I walk. May I suggest that the change here to the more intimate you happens in verse 4 because it is where God speaks of the valley he has walked. He has felt the depths of the crisis. And in those times, something deep must happen between him and his shepherd. Haven't you noticed this even in your own life? Listen to this. You are more prone to talk about God when you're in green pastures. And you're more prone to talk to God when the ground is very poor. It's like, my, my daughter sleeps with the light on. Up to now. For some reason, she is just afraid of the darkness. But she any day choose darkness if she knows someone who is with her. If I move her, or the mother is with her, she doesn't mind the light is off. She chooses darkness with presence. That is what we also need to do. That is what David was doing. He chose darkness with presence. The presence of the shepherd. And many times we are prone to choose light with absence. Things are going well. We don't care if God is with us. But we see David changes here. From comments about God to communion of God. Because during the valley time, he stayed ever so close to the shepherd. Never taking his eyes off him. He experienced God in a way that had ushered him toward intimacy with the almighty shepherd. David says, I'll fear. The reason is God's presence. God's presence. He has promised Hebrews 13, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Jesus said when he gave the greatest commission, I will be with you to the end of the age. Are you choosing accepting darkness because you know there's God's presence? There's no valley, no matter how dark, that you go through alone. He'll not leave you. Lastly, David says he will not fear, not because of God's presence, but also because of God's protection. Look at me again, verse 4. It says, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what do they do? They comfort me. The rod was like, uh, you know, Chibonga. And then there's like a hook here in front, Chibonga. And that Chibonga was actually to protect uh, some predators. And at the same time, it was also to lead the way. And this pictures the power of God. And David said, I'll fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is assured of God's protection. He is assured of his shepherd's power. Moments of crisis. When you're in the valley, you don't even know the way out. Are you assured of God's protection? David said, don't feel in adversity. Because the comfort of God's power protect him. It's protecting him from anything or anybody who may want to ruin him. This is how 
Apostle John puts it, First John 4. And you need not fear. Why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you believe that? David believed. This is why he was supremely confident about his present circumstances. At the same time, of grace in the future that will see him all the way home. He believed the valleys were appointed for his good. Brother Fred, I was just uh, distraught. I was invited to attend a conference uh, in the U.S. next uh, from the 13th. And I asked if we can bring a friend. They said yes, and they bought us tickets. And while the people heard about the trip, they started making, started making invitations for us to go there again. So because of the court case, I had to go to court to ask for permission. The lawyer submitted my application. Sunday, sorry, Friday, was a court session. So I had my application was denied. And I asked why. I'm told the letter of intention, the, letter of, the dates that were on the letter and what the lawyer submitted, they were not uh, matching. So the judge declined my application. I went home. When I could see I was not well. The judge says, it is well. And it happened when I was studying this uh, passage. And I reminded myself, you know, if God takes me through paths of righteousness, maybe this is the path he's taking me through. It is with me. That just gave me comfort. He is a God that may take us to paths we may not want. He knows better. He's a good shepherd. But David says, he is my shepherd. Can you say the same? He is your shepherd. You can only say he's your shepherd if you have a right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Have you been saved? Has your soul been restored? I'm asking if you're a member of the church or you come to church. But can you be able to say it is well with your soul? This is only possible. Like what happened to the thief on the cross when he was asked, so why are you here? Say, I don't know. Have you been justified by grace alone, through faith alone? I don't know. So why are you here? The man on the middle say, I can come. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. Because he's the only one who is the door. He's the only one who gets to be with you in your valleys, in times of crisis. And David says, even, and the reality is, is you're either going through trials, or you're coming from trials, you're going to trials. We're always going to face trials. But what matters is, who is with you? Darkness of presence or light of absence? For David, it was a no-brainer. The Lord is his shepherd. He will not want. I will not lack. I will not fear. We don't have time to continue the next point. As we look at the Lord as a feast host. He says he lays the table for him. I have no time to go to that point. So we have to come next week and finish. Father, thank you for your word. I ask, Lord, that uh, you will continue to speak uh, to us. Many of us here are going through a rough season, difficult crisis after crisis. And sometimes we wonder if 
will be able to come out of this valley. But Lord, I pray that you remind us. It is you who leads us. It is you who leads us. It is you who guides us. It is you who determines which path we go. Sometimes we don't uh, receive what we want. But Lord, help us to trust you. That you are the good shepherd. You know what is best for us. We are sheep. The world does know what is best for us. Lord, I just pray that you continue to help us. To find comfort in you. To find God uh, protection from you. Lord, you know the needs of my brothers and sisters. How I pray this word will remind them of your care for them. Remind them, Lord, of your promises. You, you never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you, Father God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have been encouraged.